It must be a slow news day. Admit it. You've tweeted that to a journo before. Well, don't try that stuff today. We're jam-packed with headlines. Uh, headlined by the Socceroos hiring Bert Van Marwick as their new head coach of the Socceroos. We'll chat about that today. Uh, it's Thursday, the 25th of January. For your daily dose of sporting agenda, your audio edition of the Fox Sports homepage, The Splash, with your host, Phil Pryor. Welcome in. I'm joined by Fox football journalist, Kate Cohen, who's here to talk some big news, Kate. It's been a very big day, Phil. <laughs> it's safe been to a say big news day, not a, not a slow news day, that's for sure, hey? Very uh, unexpected announcement today <laughs> with the Socceroos' new coach. Yeah. Um, I've got some uh, some headlines to read out in a second, but just uh, very quickly before we dive right in and also get Daniel Garb uh, on the line who broke this story earlier today to talk more about it. Let's pronounce his name perfectly, firstly. Uh, he's, he's Dutch from the Netherlands, Bert van Marwijk. How did I go? Uh, Bert van Marwijk. There we go. I, I stuffed it up <laughs> completely. Bert we'll call van, him Aussie Bert from now on. Aussie Bert. Bert van Marwijk. Uh, and the other, and the other one, the interesting one, uh, I thought, as far as football is con- is concerned around the world, coaches are called managers. Uh, in Australia, we call them coaches. What do we call the Socceroos coach manager dude? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will call him the uh, former Netherlands and Saudi Arabia coach. I think we'll stick with head coach. Um, but yeah, he's got a very impressive CV. I'm looking forward to having a bit of a chat about him. Yeah, for sure. First, some headlines. In cricket, uh, Glenn Maxwell, he's been recalled finally uh, to the international arena, replacing Aaron Finch. Um, there's ODIs in Perth on Friday and, uh, sorry, in Adelaide on Friday, Perth on Sunday. It looks as though Travis Head will be the one that actually comes in to replace Finch, though. Stay tuned there. Uh, in NRL, this week's Summer Slog edition is up. Follow your club's pre-season talking points. Josh Jackson has been announced as the Bulldogs captain for this season, so not Aaron Woods or Kieran Foran. Um, and James Tedesco's fullback replacement at Tigerland, that has cleared up. Head to SummerSlog uh, in UFC or WWE news, perhaps, Kate. Uh, Ronda Rousey, a switch is nearing. Uh, Nathan Ryan reports in, in tennis. Um, Pretty much all our semi-finalists are locked in. Uh, And in basketball, Ben Simmons has gone bananas against the Bulls. Um, First of all, he did this. In the NBA draft, again it's Simmons and he got the dunk. He's in attack mode. I don't even think he hit the rim. That literally is like a throwdown. Yeah. He did that absolute monster jam. Head to the video section of the website to check it out. He was already on a triple-double by uh, with 11-11 remaining in the third quarter. He finished with a line of 19 points, 17 rebounds, 14 assists, if you don't mind, in front of Collingwood star Dane Swan, who was there in the flesh to show Americans how to eat meat pies uh, and also see Ben Simmons go nuts. Uh, yeah, as I said, highlights on the website. 
But let's get to the big story of the day. As we mentioned off the top, uh, the Socceroos have their new uh, replacement for Ange Postacoglu, Bert van Marwijk, and the uh, the journalist that broke the story earlier today uh, joins us, Daniel Garb. Welcome to The Splash. Thank you, guys. Yeah, really big day in Australian football and uh, a day that is most certainly most welcome. We've yeah. been hanging out for uh, for a new coach and some some big positive news and some clear direction towards Russia 2018, and uh, it's come in the form of the 64, 65-year-old, sorry, Dutchman. So we've uh, mm. after Hus and Pim gone Dutch again. Yeah. So what what does a, a day like this in, in, entail for a, a journalist that uh, that breaks a, a big story like this? Oh, it changes pretty quickly. I mean, it does for everyone, <laughs> obviously, in Australian football, because that becomes the the major talking point. But you know, obviously, you. You're doing crosses on Fox Sports News quite regularly, and then uh, radio stations will start calling, and <laughs> and uh, you'll do a few crosses like that around the country, and uh, and you know you'll get involved in, in Twitter debates and, and things like that. It changes pretty quickly, and for two three hours, that's that's all you're talking about and all you're doing. The phone doesn't stop, but it's great. I mean, it's it's what we've needed. I'm sure it's the same for for a lot of people, and uh, you know it's that, that little positive boost after you know the uncertainty post Ange and a bit of frustration in terms of. The, uh, the search for a replacement and uh, perhaps in some people's eyes, the lack of direction, all of a sudden they've, they've got their man. And I think it's a positive appointment and one that's been received pretty positively in the whole by the football public. And uh, I think it's one that the players, most importantly, can, can all of a sudden be confident about when it comes to Russia 2018. They've got a man who's firstly informed as a coach in terms of what he did with Saudi Arabia, knocking out the Socceroos, of course, from automatic qualification to get the team to the World Cup. And, and he's got great experience at the actual tournament. Such an intricate beast, the World Cup. Uh, it's such a, a convoluted tournament at times. And in terms of your preparation and the way you approach things between games, it can be very, very tricky. And Bert Van Marwijk's taken the dash to the final before in 2010. He knows what's required. So the players in that dressing room will be confident now about uh, hopefully going to, to Russia 2018 and getting out of that group. Yeah, so let's... Um let's quickly uh, take a step back and uh, I want the listeners to know exactly who this guy is and where he's mm. come from. Uh, Kate, I'll, I'll turn to you firstly. Um, as as Daniel just mentioned, uh, he, he led the Dutch team to the final in 2010 of the World Cup uh, and he got this Saudi Arabian team through to uh, uh, instant uh, qualification ahead of the Socceroos in Group B just recently to the 2018 World Cup. Um, what else is, is on his resume uh, and why is he a, a good appointment? Yeah, he has a very impressive CV. Obviously, looking at those international successes that he's had with the Netherlands and Saudi Arabia, it's it's it bodes well for the Socceroos and what they need with an experienced international manager heading into a major tournament with not much time to prepare. But, I mean, beyond his success with those two, he's also had uh, a couple of stints with Feyenoord in the uh, Eredivisie where uh, Adam Peacock, uh, we'll soon up have a web uh, a story on the Fox Sports website speaking to Brett Emerton about uh, mm-hmm. his time playing under Van Marwijk at Feyenoord, and I mean it was a it was a real major success that he had Feyenoord as a young manager where he led them to the UEFA Cup, which today is known as the Europa League. So he's had some big success there, and and after his time with Feyenoord, he moved on to Borussia Dortmund, who are a 
real giants of uh, of German football and and uh, yeah, but his main uh, CV points are those stints with the Netherlands and then Saudi Arabia, where he had great success, as you mentioned, with the 2010 World Cup, and then getting Saudi Arabia mm. to this current World Cup ahead of the Socceroos in Group B. So, what's the plan, uh, Garby? Is he he's signed on, I believe, till the end of the uh, mm. 2018 in Russia. Um, it, and then, and then, are we looking uh, to, ahead to a different coach, or, or is that not yet locked in? What's the the plan moving forward? Do you reckon? Yeah, he's been signed on a short short term basis, so I'd be very surprised if he stayed on post Russia 2018, and I'd be very surprised if an Aussie didn't get the job after Burvan Marwick, and uh, if that man wasn't Graham Arnold, I'd be surprised as well. I think he's a front runner, so it looks as though that's the way that the FFA will approach it. Of course, a lot can change between now and then. In, uh, in football, but uh, I'd be surprised if, if anything wavered off that plan. And I think that's a, a shrewd way of approaching it. I think it, mm. it would have been very difficult for an Australian to step into that dressing room now, post-Ange Postacoglu, with a, a playing group so loyal to him, so loyal to his methods, the way that he wants to play. Because an Australian has to come in with a long-term approach. You sign an Australian, it's a four-year contract towards the next World Cup. And it's very hard for that Australian coach to have it deciphered between the short-term approach of Russia and then trying to plan for the future and the Asian Cup and then and then the next World Cup phase. So it would have been a huge burden for an Australian coach to take on. I just feel international allows us to attack the World Cup and also acts as a as a convenient circuit breaker between the two Australians. The timing from Ange's departure was was really awkward for the FFA to handle, and I think they've gone with the best approach. I really like the way that it's it's worked out. And we get Bert for, for six months. We can attack the World Cup fresh and hopefully give the game a big boost and, and hopefully get through our group. And then an Australian can come in and, and work towards the Asian Cup, but also plan for the future and for, for 2022. And uh, it seems to me like it's uh, it's amid a tricky situation of Andrew's departure. It's worked out pretty well. So uh, do, is there an implication there that uh, an overseas boss coming in can just overlook things um, from a more objective way as opposed to an Australian taking on the top no, job? I don't think it's about looking at it in, in an objective way. I think it's about just freshening up the players' minds. I think that the players now all of a sudden know that it's a short-term hit this World Cup, that whatever Berth Van Marwick wants them to do, whatever style of football he wants them to play, and hopefully it's not too big of a contrast from Ange Postacoglu, that would be disappointing. Hopefully the the mentality that Andrew's instilled in these players to never take a backward step won't be removed. And judging by Bert Van Marwijk's comment in the press release saying, we want to go to Russia and not only be competitive, we want to win all of our games, it doesn't seem like that will be the case. So that's that's positive. But uh, I think it just allows for everything to be freshened up in the players' minds. And there's no frustration in the players' minds in terms of, well, Ange had us playing this way. Now for the next four years, an Australian wants us to play that way. I don't really know about this bloke. It's going to be very hard. It, they know it's short term now. They know that it's uh, it's it's something that is buy into for a few months, do what he says because they want to do well at the World Cup, and then worry about a long term philosophical approach afterwards. And and I think that's going to be convenient. I don't think he's there to to try and add any major developments to Australian football going forward. He's there to attack this tournament and hopefully give Australian football some great memories. Uh, Kate. Talk to us about his coaching style and his uh, tactics and, um, and what he can uh, implement um, for this Socceroos team straight away. 
Well, obviously, we're coming off the, the Antipostokoglu era, who, as Garby touched on, he was very much single-minded in the focus that he wanted Australia to, his, his Australian team to never take a backward step, to always take the game to the opposition. And we saw that come out on the field by pressing teams high up the field, even up against the likes of Chile and Germany in the Confederations Cup. And then with the ball, Postacoglu liked them to play possession style of play, building up from the back, creating overloads in midfield. And I think the immediate uh, headline assumption with Van Marwijk is that uh, that memory of the 2010 World Cup final where the Netherlands effectively attempted to kick Spain off the field. And there was some absolutely mm. cracking quotes from um, Johan Cruyff, who is the real godfather of Dutch football and, and was the, the superstar behind their total football revolution. And at the time, uh, Johan Cruyff labelled Van Marwijk's Dutch team as uh, ugly, vulgar and anti-football um, yeah. as a result of that match. So that's the immediate thing that jumps that into kind people's of, mind. I mean, from the casual fan uh, re- reacting to you saying that, that kind of suits Australian uh, football in a way and the Socceroos being that intimidating team. In, in a way, it can, certainly. And, um, I mean, you saw the, the, the great memory, that great photo of Nigel de Jong karate kicking Xabi Alonso in the chest in the, mm. to start that World Cup final. Um, I mean, beyond those, those headline talking points, uh, his Netherlands team were very much a high-pressing team who uh, were quick with the ball and looked to move the ball quickly, which, again, links in with what Postacoglu had attempted. But... Um, there is still that question mark over whether or not he will be a more pragmatic manager considering his stint with the Saudi Arabian national team where when they faced Australia, the Saudi Arabians like to drop behind the ball and try to frustrate again Australia before hitting us on quick counterattacks. Mm. So Van Marwijk certainly has a lot of flexibilities uh to his game and to his approach. Um, having previously spoken to Han Berger, who is the former FFA technical director and also a, a, a coach from the Netherlands. Um, Hahn had said that Van Marwijk's philosophy matches with what the Socceroos and what, with what FFA okay. are after. Yeah. So there is no denying that uh, Van Marwijk is one who would prefer to play possession-based high-pressing football, which matches Postacoglu's um, preferences as well. But the difference with Van Marwijk is perhaps he's a little bit more pragmatic and he's a little bit more willing to go, okay, Mm. this approach won't work against these opposition, Mm. so we'll tweak it. But again, that World Cup final when the Netherlands were up against Spain who were... um, by that stage, building a dynasty to be one of the, you know, the Barcelona-influenced Spain that went on to win the World Cup and, and Euros and dominate world football for that period of time, yep. the Netherlands still attempted to press high up the field with a fair few niggly fouls added in as well. So there are some uh, some similarities that we can draw with what Van Marwijk is after with his national teams. And, and it will be exciting to see what he does with the Socceroos in this six months in charge. Okay, uh, Garby, uh, I'll give you a chance to add uh, anything you'd mm. like to what Kate has to say and we do thank you I know you're you're busy today but I'm going to also just throw two more questions at you and you you can tie it all together before we we Mm. let you go because you're uh you're great broadcast media talent so you know how to stretch out an answer so I'm just (laughs) going to fire a few questions at you and you can you can uh you know mold it all into into one uh nice answer for us firstly um why why is he the the best man for a job and and sort of and and who else was linked uh, who, who which mm. other high profile managers were linked um that could have taken on this job and taken the Socceroos to Russia 
And will we, uh, us as footballing fans here in Australia, be proud uh, of the Socceroos when it's all said and done uh, by the end of Russia 2018? Well, that's a big question that we don't know the answer to yet. We can certainly uh, feel far more encouraged about that. We can speculate, of course. (laughs) We can speculate. We can, you know, we're we're enthused about it now because we've got a manager who's been there and done it before and and a manager who's informed. So, you know, now that we've got that direction, uh, we can certainly feel far more confident about that. And it's certainly a group, as we discussed when it was revealed, that uh, gives Australia the chance of, of getting through it, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination and a fair bit may weigh on that first game against the juggernaut that is France, of course. If we get away from that game with the result, we'll be in a fantastic position. Mm. If we get away from that game with a, you know, even an honourable loss, we can certainly get through the group against uh, Denmark and, and Peru. But we've got a manager now who knows how to negotiate his way through a World Cup and I think yeah. that is a major boost. He's been there and done it. He's got confidence in himself and his methods. And crucially, he obviously has confidence in the FFA. And he said that in his in his release today. He said he was impressed with the way that the FFA goes about things, the way that they prepare, the way that they conduct themselves. It was part of the reason why he, he left the Saudi Arabian post. That may have been a bit financial as well. Perhaps he wanted more money after qualifying them for the World Cup. But uh, he wasn't happy with the way they wanted to prepare and they went on the same page in terms of what had to happen in that regard. He mm. obviously rates the FFA and the FFA are a world-class uh, setup when it comes to preparing our national team. So he's got confidence in us. We've obviously got confidence uh, in him. And, uh, and I think that's encouraging moving forward in terms of why he got the job over the other candidates. So finances come into it first and foremost, of course, who we can afford, who we can't. Roberto Mancini would have been a, a huge name that would have given everyone a, a huge boost as well. But yeah. I don't think the finances would ever have matched up and maybe the same for a couple of others. You look at the other names and, and they're arguably all bigger names in world football than Bert Van Marwijk, Louis Van Gaal, Jürgen Klinsmann, uh, Sven-Goran Eriksson, uh, Slavin Bilic, either as players or as or as coaches. But you know, none of them, apart from Mancini right now, are actually what you would deem to be in form. Yeah. You know, Van Hal's last job failed at Manchester United, hasn't coached since. Ericsson's been, you know, basically taking money jobs since he left the England national team. Uh, Slavin Bilic sacked from West Ham is 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 pretty young in comparison to the others, hasn't been to a to a World Cup. Jurgen Klinsmann's last job was with America at the last World Cup, his last major job. So Van Marwick's fresh out of a job where he succeeded in, in Saudi Arabia, and a similar job to the Australian national team, got them to the World Cup, has got great World Cup experience as well. And four of his last six jobs, as Kate mentioned before, he's got a 60% plus winning record. I mean, that's fantastic. That's a great turnaround. So, and he fitted the finances, obviously. So, for me, he fits the criteria superbly. He may not be the glitzy, glamorous name. He may not be great from a media point of view. I have interviewed him a couple of times, and I'll be honest, he was pretty rude, to be blunt. <laughs> but you know what? It's a short-term appointment, so who cares? He's not there to, to charm the pants off the nation. He's there to get us through the group. And if he can do that, I don't think anyone will care how he acts in front of the cameras, considering it is only a, you know, a five-month appointment. Mm, beautiful insight uh, from Daniel Garb there. Garby, we'll let you go. We'll let you get back to uh, your news-breaking day. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll be back on the splash soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, guys. Keep well. And, of course, you can catch Daniel Gubb and the gang on the Fox Football podcast every Monday following the weekend. They wrap up each round of the A-League and then head overseas as well. Uh, if you're a football fan and you haven't subscribed to the Fox Football podcast yet, 
I suggest you go and do so. Kate, I haven't broken a story for years. It's got, I'm going back to my regional days, but you just walk home after a, a long day's work with a bit of a spring in your step, so I reckon... Garby will be, uh, he'll be able to put his feet up tonight. He'll sleep and, uh, well tonight. He, yeah, he'll sleep well. It's definitely sleep uh, well tonight. Um, look, it, there was more uh, big football news uh, around uh, the globe today as well, Kate. Uh, we'll touch on that quickly before we wrap things up. Former FIFA president, Sepp uh, Blatter, said that essentially there was no chance that Australia was going to host the 2018 or the 2022 uh, World Cups. Um, this uh, this news comes out of a, a book which was published today. Uh, whatever it takes, the inside story of the FIFA way, written by former FFA executive Benita uh, Merciades. Um, talk to us about this one. Yeah, it's real, really uh, cracking insight into the world of FIFA, and I'm sure there will be many football and general sporting fans across Australia looking forward to get, getting their hands on this book. Um, and no coincidence, the timing of this coming out and the timing of the uh, the new Socceroos coach coming out? There have certainly been many <laughs> cynics uh, questioning the timing of, of the announcement for the Socceroos coach today. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely with this, um, with this news coming out from the book extract on uh, Fox Sports website, there was a real cracking quote from the book from Seth Blatter um, told to Benita Merciades where effectively he was asked, were Australia ever a chance of hosting the World Cup where $50 million of funds, a lot of that taxpayer money yeah. uh, pushed towards um, hosting that pinnacle um, of, of sport really? And Sepp Blatter's response was, Australia were no chance, never, not mm, a chance. Wow. So it's it was very definitive um, and the piece itself delved into how Blatter was the lone vote um, <laughs> yeah. for the Socceroos, uh, sorry, for Australia uh, with their World Cup bid. Um, I mean, that in itself is a, a story because uh, he revealed that because his daughter used to work for Soccer Australia, it was sort of a sympathy vote and he couldn't handle the thought of going home and, and telling his daughter that that he didn't vote for Australia. I mean, what's going on, people? Like, yeah, well, that's, know, the that, that's, the big, the, and, that's another huge line out of that. And that's because, why he votes for yeah, Australia. Out of $50 million <laughs> of investment, um, we get a sympathy vote because Blatter was um, <laughs> concerned that his daughter might hate on him for, for having Australia with no votes. So, so it's fair to say he's a better father than he was a FIFA president. <laughs> he was more loyal to his daughter, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that's huge news and, and there will be more to come from that book and and from that bid um, because of the involvement of, of such a high portion of taxpayer dollars um, and the way the bid process went down. Um, yeah, this will be something that will rumble on for, for years to come really. But mm. yeah, cracking insight um, into that sort of murky world of of not just FIFA but also the World Cup bidding process and we know um, the revelations that have come out since with um, whistleblowers from all around the world with Merciades, one of those major whistleblowers about how um, that process went down to, to allow Russia and then for 2022 Qatar to, to host um, the World Cup. Yeah, very interesting stuff and yeah, Sepp Blatter saying that Australia never had a chance. And one more footballing question without notice. Uh, what are you looking forward to this weekend? Here or 
around the world? Uh, there's an absolutely cracking um, A-League Big Blue coming up on Friday night on Australia Day. It's uh, the annual Australia Day clash between uh, Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. Okay. Um, Melbourne Victory have really struggled this season, but Sydney FC are flying high. They have had a bit of a dip lately with... Uh, uh, Graham Arnold being linked to the Socceroos job and that's mm. coincided with a couple of draws from Sydney FC but that they're looking to get back on track with another win away to Melbourne Victory who themselves are looking to make sure that they can uh, really you know cement themselves as a, as a top six team um, and yeah there's there's plenty more to come from across England and Spain um, p- plenty of big talking points with uh, Liverpool losing to Swansea uh, earlier in the week and, and you've also got Real Madrid who lost this morning in the Copa del Rey to get knocked out of that competition. So uh, one of the giants in Spain are now 19 points off um, Barcelona in La Liga and also out of their uh, domestic cup competition. So there will be plenty of eyes on Real when they play uh, over the weekend. So yeah, plenty of cracking narratives as always across the world of football. Yeah, very interesting. Kate, Cohen, thank you for joining the Splash today. Thanks, Phil. Uh, And no splash tomorrow. Uh, I believe there's some public holiday taking place. So that'll conclude us for the week on uh, on the splash. But we'll catch you next week. Uh, And that's, that's a wrap.